Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today. Right, welcome back. Welcome back to the Detroit is Different podcast studios. And today is one of those special days as you got three generations of brothers up in full effect with me joining, talking about Own Your Story. It's a project here happening in Detroit that I'm affiliated with and also uh, one of the big strong homies of Chris Rutherford and many others. But uh, without any further to do, please introduce yourselves. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, what up, everybody? I'm uh, or what up, though? Right, right. Yes, sir. I, you know, I ain't from the city, but I'm learning the language and, and feeling like it's a second home. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, my name is Jason Rivers. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, but Detroit is becoming my second home. Uh, definitely excited to to be in this journey of the work that I believe in wholeheartedly and and, and getting to know um, the greatness of the city, all the dope people doing dope things. Um, so I'm just elated to. The fact that we're here doing this work and, you know, building with the brothers and sisters of the city. Uh, so, yeah, that's me. Okay. Respect. Respect. All right. Uh, I'm Alexander. Um, I'm still, I'm a sophomore. I go to King. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good experience, especially me starting off young and everybody saying, like, you know, they wish they had this experience when they was my age. It's something, it's something good to start off with. Helps me with my future. Helps me build. All right. Um, I'm Skrill. Um, I'm a community activist and also a vice president over at a community organization, national organization, New Era Detroit, uh, mm-hmm. and a part of the steering committee of Own Your Own Your Own Story. Um, and we just we just excited to get this information out to the community and, and be able to project that imagery um, from the community, from people that's rooted in the community. Um, like you said, it's different generations that's sitting at this table right now, um, and being able to collect and collab that story. And project it out yes yes so with that being said detroit is different interviews always start with what led your family to be here and i'm guessing alex you may not even ask these questions so let's <laughs> see how far back you can go uh what led who was the first generation of people from your your people to make their way to detroit do you even know uh i don't i know i know on my mom's uh with my grandpa uh my granddad's side on my mom's side Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them were Native American. Okay. So you know it goes way back. What uh, what what area here in Michigan? Yeah. Okay. Okay. What tribe? Uh. Okay. So that means that next time I get you back, you're gonna be Chris. <laughs> I don't even know. Like I've asked people a lot of these questions <laughs> because that's how it usually starts. That's how it usually starts. Scrail. What what about your people? What led your people to the D? Uh, so you know, you know, as, as relationships emerge, you know, you got your mom's side and you got your your dad's side. Yeah. You know? um, my mom's side um, originated um, from the south, um, and coming over, her grandfather is Irish and Indian, so I got a lot of Indian. Um, mm. On for, far as my grandfather, my grandmother's side of her grandmother, my great grandmother is Blackfoot Indian. Mm. Um, so mixing with the Blackfoot Indian and the Irish on my great grandfather's side. You know, that that's that legacy that they passed down. 
Okay. On my father's side, it's really no Indian, Native American history Mm -hmm. that's generated passed through there. But a lot of my family originated from Sparta, Tennessee. Okay, Sparta, Tennessee. Sparta, Tennessee. I never even heard of. Where is it at? That's 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 a little bit down past Nashville. Okay, uh, yeah. you ever been down there? I went there at family reunion when I was younger. Yeah. So okay. I used to drive down there to Sparta. I, I actually just had a great great aunt that I want to say they just said that she passed away like last year. Um, mm-hmm. That just passed away, and she was the last living sister uh, of my great my great grandmother. Okay, and then I'm going to get to some questions with you, Jason, that are specific to why Own Your Story is here in Detroit. But I got to jump off. Detroit is different how I usually started off. Now, the next question for you, Alex, would be neighborhood. What neighborhoods are your people, you know, have they traveled throughout the city of Detroit? Uh, Usually my family, like my grandma and my grandpa, they split up when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my family, they've been everywhere around Detroit. Okay. What do you consider, like, growing up, what neighborhoods do you remember most? When I was little, I used to live in Southgate. Okay. So that's not, like, really in Detroit. Mm-hmm. But now um, I've been staying around, like, Seven Mile. Seven and what? Seven and what? Because, seven you know, and, Seven Mile is yeah, like, that's a long road. Right, it could road. be, like, Seven and Hayes. It could be Seven and uh, Evergreen and, you know, you Seven and Southfield. Seven and Otter Drive. Okay. Yeah, around Vassar. Okay. Okay, so what what do you get in that community? Like, what what's the feel like for you? Because a lot of people will say you still coming up, uh, being in the tenth, and yeah, that's a that was a cool age. I know when I was in the tenth grade, uh, I did not have the focus of you, my brother. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a pretty chill vibes. Uh, every neighborhood that I've lived in, with me traveling a lot, uh, every neighborhood that I've lived in is mostly like elder people. So I'm always trying to help them out, like anything that they need, okay. I help them out. They help me out, you know. All right, and I'm posing the same question to you. Your people, where uh, where are most of your people from when it comes to the Detroit journey? So, so actually, uh, I'm from Inkster. Okay. Um, I, I left Inkster when I was 18 and moved to Detroit on my own. Like, mm-hmm. I just used to hang out in the city, but through that through that journey, it was a lot of people from Detroit moving to Inkster. Yes. So I had my neighbor was across the street. He was from the east side. Mm-hmm. So Grashen and Hamburg is like my stumping ground when I wow. first transitioned to the to Detroit. And, wow. It seemed like, whoa. This inkster on steroids. Yeah, I was going to say, I, 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 uh, as people always say, like, when you interview people, you talking and stuff. I had uh, a Pizza Hut delivery job in Dearborn Heights, but it was right on that cusp of inkster. Yeah. So any delivery to inkster, you know they send a black guy. Yeah, most definitely. And inkster, <laughs> inkster definitely has its own, like, culture to it and yeah. feel. Like, that whole down river. I was just interviewing somebody about the uh, black culture of southwest Detroit. Mm. And it's its own feel and that's unique so you can e- even speak to inkster what was it like growing up uh for you and your people man out out there it, it was it was a village like you know i was uh I, my parents had me when they was young they was 14 and 15 so wow. i grew up with my parents you know mm-hmm. i was raised by my grandparents also so the community it was a com- it was a real community like mm-hmm. i couldn't go around the corner without getting a phone call like your baby around the corner and when i get home you, they trying to catch you in a lie. You know what Ain't I'm saying? Like, where was you at? So uh, skipping school was, was yeah, out. Skipping school was really out. You know, <laughs> in, in, in my household. But you know, it, it was a lot of times that I, I got away with got away with doing it. But mm-hmm. it was really a community feel. You know, growing up. Um, you know, um, it, 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 it's different now. Um, mm-hmm. But growing up, it, it really was like, okay, this my neighbor. Everybody was like, don't mess with the Joneses. Them little girls, you know, don't mess with them. They real good girls, you know what I'm saying? Or mm-hmm. don't, you know, don't mess with them guys, the the bakers, you know what I'm saying? Those some good guys over there. So every every family knew 
each other. Mm-hmm. All right, and then when we think of that downriver culture of blackness too, that still exists, is some long-standing, long-standing resources in those communities that have been there for a while. That just almost like as close as it is to Detroit, mm-hmm. it's like you know if it's there, like the skating rinks. The yeah. uh, mm-hmm. so so our skate rink, it was one of like the first to open up and they're actually just now trying to get it revamped. It was closed for a long, long time. We didn't have any skating rink at all through my childhood. Mm -hmm. It was called the Safari. And my childhood, I never been in the Safari, but my parents, that was their hangout. Mm -hmm. They they used to say, uh, that was the first time Missy Elliott, they always talked about Missy had did a concert at the skating rink. And everybody from Detroit came down and it was just a place where everybody was a hub to meet. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So they used to do real concerts at the skating rink. You know what I'm saying? So now that culture, like I said, that culture is coming back to the community. So, you know, like the skating rink, you know, the down river. We have uh, um, over there, you said the southwest area. They got the roller cave, which was the mm-hmm. first black-owned skating rink yes. in the country. Yes. And it's still standing. We do a yeah. lot of events there also. Um, and it's it, it, it's just like... It's a lot of greatness with inside these little hubs that's surrounding a bigger city um, with, with economic thriving. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, to, to, to answer your question about that, the, 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 the greatness was smaller, but mm-hmm. it, was a bro- it, it was a big scale of thinking inside these smaller cities. And and even connected to that, because, like, I, I hub a lot of that together, like Southwest Detroit, River Rouge, Inkster. Because almost when I think of those communities, those were some of the last communities a lot of folks that did make the transition from the South North moved to and houses were available. So some of it is people definitely talk about like the uh, the cancer, the pollution, the Mm -hmm. asthma. That's one tragic side of the story. But also another side of that story was, like you said, like a community that just existed in some of the last working black folk connected directly to a factory in Detroit. So like my reality of 1980s being over here in this neighborhood versus some of the people I knew, some of the things that were happening here in the 80s didn't really kind of impact there maybe to like the 2000s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's It took, it took a minute for a lot of stuff to transition. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Uh, a lot of stuff transitioned differently, I think because the, the cultural aspect is different. Mm-hmm. Um, because in, in certain areas where the migration was, so Inkster was a diverse community. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't just all black. It was it was a very diverse community. Um, so it still had a certain essence and feel to it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those traits that was already standing when when they you know had the city built. You know, what I'm saying Inkster. Well, it wasn't a. It never really was a city. It was always a village and a town because our population. Um, so when, when that village and town was standing, you know, it was a different essence of what their experiences was, right? Mm-hmm. So when our people, our families migrated to, to those areas, we was, we was able to bring all our cultures, but even, even expand them because of, like you said, the factories and different things like that, right? But in a bigger city where a lot of our people are not and we heavily populated it, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, it's more of a culture takeover. Yeah. Rather than these smaller cities, it's not much of a heavily culture takeover because it's only so much space of occupancy that we, we reside in. Yeah, definitely. So definitely. it's going to take a minute for it to make a ripple effect. Yeah. So with that, that brings me right over to Jason. Yes, Why did this campaign select Detroit as a city to be here? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so 
the campaign, uh, we picked three flagship cities. Um, we piloted in Pittsburgh, and we started in Detroit intentionally um, because Detroit is a city, number one, predominantly black city, and number two, uh, a city that is redefining itself um, and looking to redefine itself. And there's an influx of the external that's emerging on the city that's looking to create a new narrative for themselves, which um, is attempting to uh, not to honor and not to respect, you know, what people have sacrificed to make this place for so long. Um, so the mission of Own Your Story um, on a national level and local level is to ensure that we partner and move side by side, shoulder with community to tell our stories our own way, minus the political agenda, minus the agenda of individuals that don't oftentimes have our best interests, but are in positions to make decisions on behalf of the people, whether we're talking about school systems, whether we're talking about businesses, whether we're talking about politicians. Um, Own Your Story desires to talk to and touch uh, the spirit of the people and for people to be able to speak the unapologetic truth on what they value, what matters most, what concerns them, and most importantly, what do we dream to be? Mm-hmm. You know what all I'm right. Saying? So always when I ask uh, people from different cities, yeah. when you were a kid, what did you hear about Detroit coming up? Man, uh, it's deep because, um, you know, what I heard about Detroit, so that 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 it could be, you know, that it, that it was a it was a rough place. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That 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 um that people ain't play up here. Mm-hmm. Um, that it was rich with folks that migrated from the south. So I, I learned a little bit of that history, not as much as I should have known. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course, I learned that Detroit was home of the automobile industry, and you would hear those narratives. Um, that it was a black city. Mm-hmm. Um, but then a lot of it was around these negative narratives, like it's a dangerous place. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's a place where folks are struggling. Um, and it was what I heard is the polar opposite of what I found. Mm-hmm. And I was just telling my sister, you know, um, it's deep that I feel I, I find myself the longer I'm here, the more at peace that I feel. And, and it rivals wow. the peace that I've that I feel in the place that bo- that I was raised in years for. And uh, so it's the opposite of what the, the narrative that people would push about this place. Well, as you talk about that, mm-hmm. um, Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. in your story. Yes, sir. Um, what was on your story there in Pittsburgh? And before we get to that, I just got to shout him out as he's my big homie. Like when we first originally met, John Bettis, mm-hmm. Jerome's brother, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, originally rapper from Gank Move. Shout, man, John. <laughs> back when, back when Jerome used to throw this big party every year. I was a kid, but mm-hmm. it, like trying to sneak in or whatever, like this big party and bring Hollywood celebrities and everything. Yep. And uh, being, like, basically not far from this neighborhood, McKenzie, um, you know, West Side, like, that that area, uh, the Bettis family itself, like, you know, they were entrenched in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So um, so when you said you connected with him and the business that he's doing, uh, you know, uh, handling a lot of things, not just in restaurants, but in property and, and keeping things moving and using hip-hop as one of those platforms to applying the business mm-hmm. shout out john and i'm gonna mm-hmm. get i'm gonna get mm-hmm. oh, we gonna cross paths and get him back <laughs> on detroit is different mm-hmm. but uh but 
talk a little bit about like not just him but some of the people that you met from Detroit yeah. that went there yeah. and like what did you notice in their character man it's deep that you say that uh so so first shout out to to the Bettises, right you know uh, of yeah. course Jerome you know he, he's a legend he can do no wrong in my city um, just from what he's put on in regards to athletics. Yo, my um, favorite team was trying to cut him at one point in time, but <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> hey, look, 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 we, we geek to have him. Geek yes. to have him. Um, and his brother, you know, coming along with him, like they've done so much. And then they got a cousin there, uh, Chuck Sanders. You know, they, they got a lot of businesses. As a matter of fact, they just opened up a, a, a new cigar shop. And so, you know, they got so many businesses um, in the city. And so watching how they navigate and move, uh, and, and another one of uh, one of my close friends, uh, uh, shout out to uh, Detroit, Brandon Ballard, um, mm-hmm. somebody that I've worked with for years. And uh, what I've noticed is, and because, you know, sit, Pittsburgh is is a city that's, you know, the black-white binary is strong, right? Mm-hmm. So the, and the racial divide is really strong yeah. and been a real thing there. And so, um, you know, like 60%, I would say, white city, 40% black city. Um and dealing with people that have grown up in a space where they've seen people that look like them in all spaces of of leadership, of business ownership, of how like knowing and seeing yourself reflected back at you in positions of like power and organization. So how they move is different. Like where, you know, people in my city, like we still ain't had a black mayor. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, not too long ago, we didn't have a black superintendent. Like, you know, we're geeked when we see uh, we never had a black police police of a ch- uh, chief chief mm-hmm. of police. Um, you know, the majority of the teachers in, in our in our city don't look like the, the population we serve. So, like, when we see, like, when a business pop up and it's people that look like us, like, we're geeked. And it's, 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 it's unfortunate that it's more like the unicorn versus mm-hmm. the norm. And so as I would engage with people that was from Detroit that was in the city, you know, I, and it was just kind of like they would describe their upbringing and what Detroit was like. It was a normal thing to see, you know, things that I would get extra excited about. So um, and a confidence that they could move with. Right. And, and, and another thing that I've noticed is that if this this kind of this pride and like if I'm still here, that means that I survived a whole lot of B.S., and, you know, there's, so there's a strength and character and confidence. And some people could say borderline cockiness. Like, but there, but there's a definite swag that is very unique to the space yeah. uh, around, like, you know, I am who I am and I ain't sugarcoating who I am and you won't accept it. If not, I'm good. Like, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and, and that's a little different than what I've always seen in my city. There's pockets of my city that definitely has that same vibe. But overall, what has been able to control what happens in my city? It's not. It's not the collective. But but in the community, in the community, it's more like what Detroit is. It's just. It's not as much as you know. what I'm saying as as here there as it is here. So in piloting the program in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. what did you see and how receptive was the black community there? Man, extremely, extremely. Because you know, uh, just as we're doing here, we made sure that um, that the work sat with people that are movers and shakers and influencers. So, you know, sometimes those people may have a title with them and sometimes they got a title in community. And so like, it's not, sometimes it's the folk that you would say like, man, you got him around, he kind of controversial or, you know, he rough around the edges or she does things differently. But the, the people were so receptive because we respected who they were. And it's not about a title, you know what I mean? And uh, 
And what we begin to formulate in our city was like, what does it mean for us to tell our stories our way? Um, there was a some years ago, the Heinz Foundation, which is like a major philanthropy organization in the city, um, they did a research uh, thing looking at how black men are perceived in the media in our city. And the two primary ways that black men are perceived, you know, it's either, you know, an athlete, like a story about an athlete uh, or a story about some criminal behavior. So if it's Michael Vick, it's like right. all over the news. Hey, when he came, they lost their mind. Like like this holier than thou city, you know, like it was crazy that Michael Vick, even years later, you know, and so it was dope when we got a black head coach in Mike Tomlin. Yeah. And he began to move in a way that was unapologetic. From the same Come on. Neighborhood is right. Mike Vick. And I'm saying that because it's a great 30 for 30 documentary right now. I don't know if everybody watches ESPN or checks for it yep. about Michael Vick. Yep. And if you grew up around my time and just identifying this, the athlete he was and his story and how it relates in culture. Yep. So as you speak to that identity of yeah. the black male being an athlete yep. or the black male being a criminal, yep. it's still sort of intertwined yeah. i mean even in rest in peace the 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 passing of kobe bryant yeah mm-hmm. and uh on, on innocence claims right one of the things that's you know that that runs almost as concurrent mm-hmm. of the story of the tragedy of him losing his life and his daughter's life is the trial he faced in denver mm-hmm. or well the poss- mm-hmm. the 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 trial and the charges he mm-hmm. faced in denver i should mm-hmm. say yeah, and so that's a, that's a narrative that America's infatuated with. Yeah, and that's a that's a story that they love to to tell about us, which is mm-hmm. you know is more more like them than us anyway. But but what I will say is that um, what was absent from the stories in in my city were quality of life stories about how black community operates you know who are who who are the fathers right what are the fathers doing with their children what are the mothers doing what does community look like you know in a way that the only way you would really see that would be you know the the courier shout out to the courier you know one of the largest longest standing black papers in the country but you would have to go to something like that you wouldn't see it in these other spaces and so on your story became um this platform where we could tell our stories about all of who we were, right, and 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 a way that made most sense and rele- and and re- and was most relevant to us. And so, um, own your story is the national um, part of the campaign. But what we like to drill down is there a theme tied to every city. So in Pittsburgh, our theme was you know black is Pittsburgh, and the reason why we did that because there was two things that were impacting the way um, black community was functioning in the city, and and there was this idea that the only way that I can find happiness is in, in success is I have to leave Pittsburgh. Like I got to go to Atlanta. I got to go to Charlotte. I got to go to Carolina. I got to go to uh, Columbus, Ohio, but wherever like Pittsburgh can't be a place that I can go get a degree or, and come back to start a business and family and be good at, you know, like I got to leave, I got to bounce. And that was really being pushed down a lot of people's throats. And I had a lot of friends that left the city, you know, and so there were, and white Pittsburgh was comfortable with us believing that because then you're not threatening them for jobs and economic opportunity, all those sorts of things. So the stance was a very strong stance. Like, nah, like Pittsburgh is not just a dope place for white people. There's dope things that black people's doing in this city and we're going to talk about it. We're going to celebrate it. We're going to be it. And so we put together a series of commercials that promoted that from each cultural, like from the lens of somebody that's a little older, 
you know, than, than the younger voice. Um, and it was from, from the male voice, the female voice. It was really, really powerful. And so we piloted it there. Uh, it took off, and we were able, you know, to get some momentum going and look at, you know, how can we bolster this, this uh, project, this campaign, uh, because it's really about mindset. You know, and how do we take a collective mindset? How do we protect our communities? How do we protect our, our assets? And how do we tell our stories? And so uh, when the opportunity presented itself and New Orleans was selected as a city, Newark, New Jersey, and Detroit, you know, we jumped all the way in and, and we about halfway through. Uh, we've been a lot, we've been doing a lot of in the pre-launch, um, mobilizing our steering committee, um, finding out who are the influencers in Detroit, who can move work quick, um, and we got a dope group of shout out to the steering committee here because, um, you know, the one thing that we believe in the, the village concept and and there's folks that, you know, you could say, hey, I need a venue, you know, just like yourself. Like we needed a venue and you had multiple places that we could go to like Skrill. I got to do is just hit the brother up like, man, this is a concern. And, you know, next thing I know, he, he didn't got it all the way figured out. Or Jason, you should meet this person or here's who we should connect with. And just so strategic. Um, and so loving and so embracing, like it's been overwhelming. So um, then, you know, shout out to uh, my brother Fame over at 313 doing great work. Yeah. Another one that's on the steering committee, man. So the steering committee is just full of a lot of dope people that are protective of Detroit and um, care about what's going on in Detroit. So and we just um, we went from steering committee. We just launched with our fellows. We just starting the fellowship now. Uh, and, you know, so we in pre-launch mode and, and, and pretty soon, you know, and there's still an opportunity for uh, a couple fellows. So if you know some strong influencers between the age of 16, 26, and, you know, they, they got a skill set, um, we're looking to do uh, community organizing, data collection, and uh, marketing. So people that's interested in that type of stuff, man, and, and building a, a campaign and using positive propaganda to tell our stories our way like there's an opening over here you know we want to build with community um we want to represent community the right way uh we want to honor who community's been and lastly you know whatever the work that we do it always should benefit community so we wanted to live here long after this campaign is over uh and so we're excited about that and then detroit being the first of the three flagship cities is going to be able to usher in New Orleans and New York as well. So we build on the national movement around like what we want for our people. All right. So that just brings me over to Skrill steering committee. Uh, what what led to you uh, being a part of this and accepting the role in um, in this mission? Oh man. <clears throat> so so I actually bumped into Jason uh, during uh, one of our um, organizations uh, initiatives called Buy Black Tour, where we patronize black-owned businesses uh, mm -hmm. once once a month. So we choose a black-owned business to patronize to to collect and make sure that we spend our money the correct way with inside of our communities with our people because we got a 1.3 trillion dollar spending power, right? Mm. So with inside New Era Detroit, um, what we do is we're a national organization that that creates community initiatives. That's self-sustaining, meaning self-sustaining means that we just need to get active in our community. <laughs> That's it. Uh, so Jason actually had came out to one of our Buy Black Tours at La Culture, which is a, a, a new, one of the newest uh, black-owned businesses with inside the city. Um, he, he, you know, uh, was just like, hey, I respect everything y'all been doing in the community. I'm Jason. I'm with Own Your Story. I, I want you to just check this out. I've been looking into y'all organization. I'm like, okay, cool, cool. You know what I'm saying? So I actually looked at it, 
and was like, okay, we start building. I'm like, dang, he doing something in the community that's positive, that's trying to influence and include people with inside the community to tell their story. Mm-hmm. A lot of people we get that information, a lot of or you know, a lot of individuals that get information and try to just use that to better their self mm-hmm. and not the whole mm-hmm. perspective of the individuals that's within inside the community. Um, so it was just natural for our, I went back to the board. Um, I'm a board member of our organization. I was like, hey, y'all remember Jason from On Y'all Story? They're like, yeah. I'm like, hey, he got a national movement that he's uh piloting here in Detroit called Own Your Story. They want us to be a part of the steering committee. They was like, all right, screw handle that. And then also you've uh, supported by bringing in some fellows too. You like represented, connecting with many of the fellows and um, helping, making yeah. sure that uh, some people that have that voice and that platform between that 16 and 26 age uh, age range can be a part of this. Uh, what, what was it that uh, led you to bring in some of those people you knew? So, you know, it's, it's given, we understand that like in life, we gotta have experience. Experience lead us to a, a abundance of whatever. A thought, it can, it can change the, the demographics, it can change your, your, your trajectory of life just from having an experience, right? Mm-hmm. So with all, all the things that we do as an organization, it was only right that we give the experience to the youth, mm-hmm. to the next generation that's coming up, because that's who's gonna be able to fight for us when we get older. Mm-hmm. And and we always have that story where the elders don't support the younger generation. And in some eyes, I might not be old, but I'm an elder to a younger generation, right? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, know. it's weird. But, <laughs> yeah, but so what we did was we 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 went inside of our our mentoring programs. Um, it's called Elite Young Kings and Elite Young Queens, and we we identified individuals within inside those programs that we see was excelling and just needed the opportunity to to voice what they are going through and own up to their story. Um, and, and, and to be able to be into a space where they can network mm-hmm. because I can't control, but I can put you, I, I can't, I can't make you drink the water, but I can lead you to the water. <laughs> so create an, opportunity create an opportunity for these young people that are already receptive to the messaging of black empowerment. Exactly. And that's beyond, that's, that's even see, and, and that's even beyond what are beyond the aspects of what our organization actually have too. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like even though we our organization is on the steering committee, right? Mm-hmm. But own your story is another entity. Mm-hmm. So we're still identifying with other organizations and other things that's on the same mission and saying, here, mm-hmm. this person needs assistance too. Mm-hmm. So it's it's collaboration and building that real community sound where we're where we're working together, you know what I'm saying, as a community. We're identifying with other organizations other people that's identifying in the same aspect so we can lead our village into the correct way. You know what I'm saying? Cause we won't, we might not be at that same place where they need assistance, but they, if we have a, have, have a counterpart that's in that space, we can, we can lead them right there and say, get this assistance from right here. Next thing goes to the person, the fellow, Alex, you, what, what led you to say after Skrill hip you to the game, be like, all right, I'm down. Um, so it kind of started like I was in the hallway and then he came up to me and he was like, hey, come check this out. And I'm like, I really know I got to get to class. So I just went in there and I heard them talking about like they can help me out with like my future and stuff. And so I was like, all right, I see what it is. So the next time I met him, 
He was like, I'm Skrill, you know. There's this thing called New Era Detroit, and I looked into it, and I'm like, oh, they legit. I'm thinking it's just somebody coming into the school, talking for a day, and then leaving. And, you know, he was telling me how, like, he can help me with, like, culinary arts and all of that. It's, it's just a really dope thing, helping me shape my future. All right. So as you talk about coming into school and uh, being in this position, being and you spoke on it. You're, you're one of the youngest people in this program. Um, what's school like? What's your vision? And then also what opportunities do you feel like school sets you up with to do something like tell your story? Um... So, well, tell your story. It's like it, it's gonna help me. I I see it now. Like being in school, they don't they give you Voltec, so like you can do culinary arts, but they, it's just you do what they tell you to do for the four hours. Then you go back to school, you learn, you go home, and you repeat it every day. Where instead of you can be with like on your story in New Era Detroit, where you tell them exactly what you want to do, and they'll give you those resources and those providers to help you out and do it. So what are some of the things, uh, what is the vision? What are some of the things you want to do? Uh, it's a lot. Oh, so. man, we got time, man. <laughs> and the reason I'm telling you this is, I mean, in the, in the world of Own Your Story, this is a platform, too. Sometimes I'm surprised some of the networks that people connected to Detroit is different and pulled from Detroit is different. And it's like, damn, I'm, I'm, I'm the voice of Detroit is different, and I haven't gotten that opportunity. So definitely as a young person, speak up. What are you looking for? Um, so I like photography. Like, I do that on the side. Like, just when I see an opportunity to take a, a picture, instantly take my phone out. I do that. Um, culinary arts is a, a passion that I've been having for a long time. I even got a couple college credits, like now going up to Henry Ford over the summer mm -hmm. and taking those classes. Um, I like chemistry, mm -hmm. and I'm uh, I also want to be a biochemical engineer. Okay, really so dope. let's let's venture back into photography, mm -hmm. and then also I'm, I'm community college grad. I'm from Henry Ford, so mm. represent represent. I remember <laughs> being in class like you grown, and then it's like a kid. In 11th grade next to you, you're like, damn, this is crazy. So um, speaking on photography, um, what what's your vision for photography? What what are you looking to do? You just, uh, what's your interest in it? Um, So I've been doing, like, I take pictures, like, just whenever. So is it more like you want to capture people? Do you want to capture events? Do you want to capture... Uh, still shots of, of art like what do you see your journey as a photographer being um probably like taking pictures of people like catering for them and stuff that's that's something i like doing i like taking like still shots as well okay like i, I when i see it when i take pictures it's not so much as like oh it's a whole bunch of stuff there like people would take pictures of i take pictures of things that people wouldn't see a, a good image in like when we were just outside, like that snow falling on that tree, taking that picture is something that somebody would just walk right past. Okay, naturally that comes to like, uh, do you put this up on Instagram or, or where is your work? Um, I was thinking about putting all of that on like an Instagram page. Usually I just keep it to myself and show it to friends. Okay, I want to urge you to let your art be seen. Come that's on. step one. That's going to create more opportunities naturally. Uh, I don't know if you follow this account Guy goes a lot of places. But Camera Jesus, he's from Detroit. But if you're on Instagram, look at Camera Jesus's account. But it's many other photographers. And it's a deep history with photography here, as photography tells a lot of stories. Uh, I think of uh, great photographers like Dale Rich. And, and then these moments in history that are captured through photography mm -hmm. that you know last a lifetime. Some of Milton Henry's images of Malcolm X and... Martin Luther King and Paul Robeson are 
you know, like set up in archives. And Detroit does have a rich history of some strong black photographers, men and women that have, you know, changed, changed the way that we see black America. So I strongly urge of you to get involved in that. What do you, you, you said your phone now, yeah. have you researched into like uh, some cameras that you like to see? Uh, are you interested in being like an apprentice? What, what, what are you looking for? Um, I've been looking into like a couple Canon cameras, mm -hmm. but like um, Polaroids, I've, I've been looking into those. I had one a while back. Mm -hmm. I started taking pictures on those, like just capturing those moments, like a whole bunch of small Polaroids and like different colors mm -hmm. and then putting it into one big picture. Okay. All right. So like different forms of like artistry within mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So that, that all sounds very interesting. And, and how do you see the still shot? How do you see a photo telling a story relating back to this work um so like a photo a photo telling a story i see it like somebody could just walk past a tree and just be like oh it's a tree when that tree could have been that same tree that helped build that house that you're living in now you know like having that apple tree like an apple tree you got that apple tree. You get the apple. You eat it. You throw away the seed. And that same seed can spread through everywhere, spreading a whole bunch of different places, helping different people. Okay. All right. I would say, man. Philosopher, too. I would urge um, definitely when I swing back, I, I think photography tells a lot of stories. And yes. when, you think, when you speak of trees, especially when it comes to our journey here, like you think of the the capturing of so much of um, the atrocities of the lynchings that took place, a lot of that was photography that mm -hmm. changed the way that led to the murders of many of our people not being murdered. So, uh, and, and sometimes it was just pictures of the trees themselves. And many of those trees still exist in certain places if you're in Virginia, if you're in South Carolina, North Carolina, you know, and then depending upon the time, probably here in Michigan too, you know. Um, so, you know, photography plays a huge role as you were at the Charles Wright Museum today uh, and seeing some of those images. What images stood out along the journey there today for you? Uh, to be honest, all of them. But uh, it was the one, it was like right towards the end. It was a couple. <laughs> It was the one with all of these little pictures building up to become the image of a skyline for Detroit. That was like the main one that stood out about all of these little moments and all of these smaller things leading up to that big one and that bigger image. Okay, definitely. So this, this bounces me back to the idea with Skrill, like as you hear this from Alex, um, talking about possibly telling the story through photography. It, it like where do you see the creativity of some of the people in this program taking things oh man the sky is not the limit it's just a view is what mm -hmm. I always quote mm -hmm. uh, and the possibilities are endless because of minds like in spirits and souls like Alex that's inside the fellowship um, and, and and from from that that's a like you state Photography is a very strong, a steel image to anybody can resonate because of their experience, right? Yeah. So, so like he he made the 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 statement of the tree and then the apple and then eating the apple to the seed to be planted again, you know. 
that that was very that was that, that was philosophy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That you know, so uh I, I actually see see that expanding even more because it'll reach another demographic that maybe I don't have a philosopher philosophy mindset of a photographer. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So each of these fellows have a different type of philosophy to reach a different type of individual. Mm-hmm. Where that you asked him a prevalent question of what type of imagery would you like to take pictures of, which made him think like, how many is he? And he just you start naming, he was like, Okay, well, <laughs> Mm-hmm. It gave because y'all was able to relate on something that y'all y'all both enjoy. Mm-hmm. As me, I'm not a photographer. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So so uh, running it back, that fellowship with with different different criteria that they enjoy would bring a more broader perspective of what on your story is or how that story is told. Same question for you, Jason, and I'm pretty sure you're probably gonna be like, uh, "I concur to the, to the, deacon, <laughs> the deacon to my left." But uh, you know, where do you see the creativity, like photography, playing a role in on your story? Yeah, because you know, the, the dope thing about our stories is they're creative. You know, they're innovative. Um, they're our stories, so it's an expression. Um, so whatever way your mind can conjure up. There's a there's a there's a platform, and if it doesn't exist yet, then let's create one. Um, and so, you know, as Skrill spoke to, like, um, what does it mean to ta- tap into one thing that we're very intentional about, and we talked about today and on Wednesday with our our fellows, is that, you know, what does it mean to be in tune with your story? What does it mean to and we we create in a movement of where vulnerability can be the new cool thing you know what I mean and I don't have to I don't have to compromise my strength my toughness and I can still speak my truth and so when we talk about telling our stories it means being authentic to who we are and sometimes in the process of like our stories being diluted we've we've accepted that in order to live life in a certain way I got to live like other people which isn't my story you know, I'm trying to fit into somebody else's character for me. And so what we're looking to do uh, is, you know, based upon interest or giftedness. And we just talked about this with Alex on the way over. Um, and he was talking about his love for, for you know, photos. And we like, well, bro, you're a photographer. like, And he's like, no, nah, because I ain't really like, no, nah, yes, you are. Like, what does it mean to just sit back and embrace that? Like, because you, you literally hopped out the car and saw the snowflake hit the tree. I saw the same, I wasn't even paying attention to, to the, but he saw the beauty in it and he saw the story in it. And it was profound to me to watch him enjoy that moment. And that's blackness too. Like so many people for so long have been defining what we are down to who and what is black, right? Versus our story is based upon my talents, my gifts, and what the ancestors sacrificed, my intelligence, how do I creatively express that to the world? So for him, it may be photography or philosophy. For somebody else, it might be like, I see, I see the world through numbers. So you know what I'm saying? Like, I could tell my story through a math problem. I could tell my story through rapping. I could tell yeah. my story through a business. Like, like whatever, you, whatever you can't stop thinking about, like what does it mean to dream again? And we was talking about that earlier too. Like, you know, because one of the smoke screens that, you know, I think this, the way the, the system and society is structured, like so many people are just trying to survive. And when you're in that mode, it doesn't give you opportunity. 
and platform to dream. Like when when you got the creatives that come in here and and create content, like they're dreaming, they're being who and what they are, and that's a beautiful thing. And so, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So we love what you're doing. Shout out to D- Detroit is different. It's a divine connection, <laughs> and, and and really is th- this this energy that since we touched down in Detroit, like, uh, and because because we've been committed to a mission that's more than just like economic or self. I could, I really feel how the ancestors, how the ancestors are guiding us, how the energy is guiding us, how, how we connected, how, how, um, with you, you know, with, with um, Detroit is different with, with Skrill and New Era. Like it's just every moment is a very, like one thing Skrill always talk about is like when he, when he think about his day, um, if, I'm going to move how the energy of life tells me to move. And who I'm connected with, what the, what I'm doing, it's going to make sense and it's going to be interconnected to the other thing I just did and the, and it's going to also be connected to the thing I'm about to do. And I watch him live his life in a very intentional way and that's only his story, right? It's healing, you know what I mean? It's ambition, it's all those things and and I think that's a dope thing that to model, I mean to model um the work that we do with everybody. What does it mean to be real intentional about who I choose to let in my life and who I choose to, to, to say got to exit my life? Um, what projects I'm committed to and what ones I say, you know what, that that's cool and everything, but it's not for me. And only your story just means to be, sit in your truth and um, and be able to tell your truth. So, you know, like it, it's just as much about Alex finding himself and his purpose um, as it is the 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 collective mindset that we want to really dig into and have and embrace um across Detroit and then how do we movement build across the nation you know cuz what are the themes that bubble up when we start to really own who and what we are and and part of ownership is protection you know what does it mean to really protect this thing and what does it really mean to protect each other uh and what what does it mean to define by our own standards what it's going to be Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. With that being said, that moves us towards the end. I usually ask like some classic three questions, but I'm going to change these questions up in reference to <coughs> the content for today. And plus, Jason, it's like, ah, these are like some Detroit based questions. God, <laughs> thing, but I'm going to ask. Them, okay. I'm going to change it up. But uh, <laughs> and, and speaking on it uh, with it. So and we'll go. Well, I'll, I'll start right with you um, in the world of storytelling uh, book. What's what's your favorite book? Wow. Man, bro, you gonna start with books, man? I, start. <laughs> I love books, man. If life can, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. All right, so, so I have. I, I need. Can I tell you about? I need to tell you about where my love for for books started. Okay. All right, and it's not. So the first book that I when I fell in love with literacy. It, it was based upon a time period of my life in the 90s when my city was um, like just infatuated with gang culture. Mm-hmm. And I was in a position where like I had to I found myself feeling pressure to choose in early high school. Like who who am I going to click up with? Who am I going to be connected to? And it's like when like Bloods and Crips was moving beyond L.A. So we a little city over on the East Coast that's taking on a West Coast flavor as we try to find our identity. In the world of storytelling, keep uh, Ice Cube's <laughs> death yeah, certificate, come on. album two, come on. summer vacation. Come on, come <laughs> on. So so long story short, Matt, like I, I absolutely hated reading. I hated reading. Like 
I, I hated when my teacher tried to force me to read, when my parents would want me to sit down and read. And my sister loved to read, and I thought she was such a hater because she would put, pick up a book for no reason. And she knew that when she picked up a book, it meant that I had to pick up a book too. So I used, I used to hate walking in the room and seeing her with a book. I used to throw her books out, do whatever I could, because I knew it was going to be that they're going to try and make me read. This, and is, I didn't, this is that stuff that sisters grow up saying, <laughs> Right, 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 right. Like, like you did that on purpose, right? I, okay. Uh, well, I'm she was get, hating on you when right. you were 16. But, but long story short, Man, when uh, when I found this book called Monster about my, uh, Monster Cody, um, mm-hmm. and the power of the way that he told his story, right? And it's nothing that my mom would have probably wanted me reading at the time. It's nothing that the teachers would have approved of, but it was the first time that I couldn't put a book down. Wow. Like I was reading it, falling asleep with it. I'm in math class, class, and I'm, I'm they doing a problem. I'm reading a book, like I'm taking a book everywhere I, where I went, and before I knew it. I was at the end of the book, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Damn! Like, there ain't. I need another. I need like four more chapters. Like, why is this thing over?" And in that moment, I realized that literacy and reading was a powerful tool. And something else that it taught me that I take to this day is that when you read, it tells you, it connects you to other authors and to other books. And every book, the story continues through somebody else. So because I couldn't, because his book end, he ended. He had three more authors that are, or other books that he wanted me to connect to. And that journey is a journey that I carry today. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's where I would say my love for learning, my love for reading started with something that everybody would have told me I shouldn't be reading. Mm. And it was everything that I needed to read. And it changed my world. And so from that, man, like, my house is full of books. You know, I could, like, you know, I, I love I love books about um, about trauma, about about equity, about um, education. Um, you know, Dr. Joy DeGruy's book around uh, uh, post-traumatic slave syndrome is one of my favorites. Um, uh, there's a book about epigenetics and and uh, my grandmother's hands about how epigenetics, the trauma, can be passed on through DNA. I got I got that book last last year were due to the source bookseller yeah. shout out to uh, shout out uh, to them detroit is different hey. uh guest and uh Allison. staying around for for 30 years man i and, love them hey but uh, they we don't touch that. we don't touch detroit every time we come we go to I, I go spend time in that like being around books is like therapeutic to me mm. so so man i love books okay. i love learning and it all started with monster cody wow. and, and 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 something that everybody said would have told me you know Cause he was like the stuff he was talking about was ruthless, mm-hmm. but it was everything that I needed in that moment. It changed my life forever. Okay. Yep. All right, Alex. Uh, so really, I got two favorite kind of books because like they're two completely different genres. Okay. So like it's this one book called Legend. It's about a girl who's like she's it's like in the future, and it's about a girl and her brother has this plague, and the government is trying to like stop the plague from being spread so they try to kill everyone who has it hmm. but her mother's a scientist and like she's found the cure but they don't want her to get the cure they're like the government tries to take it to heal their own people mm-hmm. and so like she goes on this crazy journey to like protect her brother and make sure that he doesn't die mm-hmm. and it's, it's a really dope book okay and then the other one is uh frederick Douglass, his autobiography hmm. That book, mm-hmm. I read it when I was like in the fifth, sixth grade. I've read the book a good thirty times already. Wow. When wow. I first read it, I literally I didn't put it down. Like 
I'd be in, like just like him. I'd be in school reading the book. We'd be at the dinner table. I'd have it in my lap, looking at it. Mom be like, "What you looking at? Nothing, nothing. I don't got nothing." Mm-hmm. Like it's a it's a good book about like his mindset and how he was never he was never a slave. He was just you know somebody under that impression like. You capture me now, but you ain't capturing my mind yet. Yeah, many people will say it, you know, uh, and, and just being being present to say enslaved versus we were slaves. Come and on. then like it's 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 power in words, as they say, because in, in some in some cultures, especially a lot of African cultures, you can say that the word itself conjures up spirits. Mm hmm. You know, so like the intentionality. So, you know, uh, a lot of this kind of if you know. Brothers from the nation, uh, etymology, like even the the foundation of how words come together and why those words are mm-hmm. placed in that. It, it's it's science, and I think that it's some merit in in the truth of that. Mm-hmm. Skrill. That's real, man. That's you know that. Hey, this this question is uh, real deep because uh, just the stigma and different things around our culture. And our people about literacy, about reading, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And and Jason uh, said something that really touched because, like, growing up, I didn't want to read. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would look at the the uh, the I would look at the instructions and I see the picture and I build what's on the picture instead mm-hmm. of reading the instructions. Mm-hmm. You know, just off visual. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, like, what got me to read was. I would say I'm 31 now. This was like 24, 25. I was transitioning into my, like my journey now. And my homeboy, I'm working. I'm I'm a nine to five person working all the time. And he was still going to school. He was going to Marygrove, mm-hmm. and we was transitioning on some on our spiritual journeys. Like this is how I can reflect it now. And he was he was at my house, staying at my house to go to school, and uh, I picked up his philosophy book. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it, I'm like, philosophy, and I opened it up, and my mind just unlocked. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly, but it was from a Mary Grove curriculum. Mm-hmm. So that's what unlocked my mind to reading again. And I just skimmed through it, and I said, wait, the world is based off somebody's thought? Mm-hmm. Off these people's thoughts? That's mm-hmm. what the world is created on? So it unlocked my mind, right? Mm-hmm. But that led me to going to speak with my family and talking to about different things. And, uh, you know, my grandfather just transitioned. But through that, my grandfather had gave me a book that actually changed my whole perspective and was and gave me an identity. Because when you look at philosophy books, they don't look like you. Right. Mm. The people that they have these thoughts from. Well, the the, the books we have access the, to access now. to now. Let's exactly. Put, yes. Yeah. From from the curriculum. Of yes. What the system well, puts out. Yes, right. Sir, exactly. Yes, but that was stolen knowledge that they we, we definitely you know, know man. But. Oh. Yes. My yes. grandfather actually gave me a book from his transition and his journey. So it was like it was like a gift of the generation passed down, right? Mm. And this book was uh Black Girl Lost. Mm. Donald, Donald Goins. Goins. Mm. Highland Park's own. Highland Park's mm. own, right? <laughs> right. So so this this is a book that my grandfather my grandfather uh read while he was locked up mm-hmm. and going through his transition and it helped him. And he gave me that book, and he sh- he shared that story with me. So I'm like, what? You was locked up. Like, I'm learning it as we go. So it was just a tale of a tale of a generation passing down. But he actually gave me his whole Donald's Goins collection. So I have all the collection books, wow. like first edition books. Mm. And I actually sat there, and that was the first time I read a book from the front to the back. Come on. And just to really see, I could see Donald Goins, but I can see the image and the 
the the story he was telling from him being in the streets and him seeing his perspective and telling from third person stories mm-hmm. and first person stories i was able to really set myself into those situations like whoa i'm living these actual <laughs> situations and and uh and to that donald goins opened up the minds of many people like black gangster uh you know street players black girl lost uh, and even his own story, like when we think of Donald Goins, a lot of credence is given to Iceberg Slim, especially since like the Dave Chappelle reference mm-hmm. and how Jay-Z used to moniker it. And a lot of people, you know, his book Pimp and many of yeah. his other novels, yeah. you know, uh, Tar Baby and everything else. But Donald Goins being so close right there in Highland Park and his struggles with heroin Hell and other yeah. things. Uh, and him getting pimped by the <laughs> him getting pimped <laughs> with, for his books, you know well, what I'm saying? I mean, they was giving him pennies on the dollar. Black, mm, but that, black, black, uh, <laughs> black artistry being uh, <laughs> not getting yes, yeah. that's the, that is yeah. the term being exploited, exploited by uh, entertainment structures. Man, um, it, that that story may be you know I don't know if we have enough hours in the day <laughs> to, to share those stories, but uh, but definitely what yeah. we think of the brilliance of the way he captured the 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 narrative of the hood. Yeah. Um, and uh, that kind of goes to the next level. I asked about books, hip-hop, guilty pleasure, and this is the last question for real, for real. <laughs> um, storytellers in, in rap and hip-hop, who, who do you like most? And we right here with you, Skrill. <laughs> who would you say? Oh, man. Honestly, honestly, I got a lot, man. But who really resonate with me? That as I, a storyteller, as a storyteller, is Nas, man. Mm-hmm. In my generation, with, with you, the song "Black Girl Lost," man, yeah, yeah. Nas, yeah. like Nas is is I can put that on and I can just travel in time in my mind and just see myself. I can see different individuals. You know what I'm saying? Like just that era. Like it's it's other eras. You know, KRS. You know what I'm saying? KRS yeah. One. Like like that's real big too. But like that. That can I can relate in a genre in the era that I like I really grew up in. Yeah, it's not. So I'm a, I'm gonna say as much as I love hip hop. So favorite Nas storytelling rap is on his first album. It's One Love, and a lot of people relate to One Love in a different way. Just mm. like you know him putting the pen to the paper to write his friend that's incarcerated mm. and just telling him like the stories of the dynamics of what's going on in the neighborhood. And then you think about, like, he wrote that when he was, like, 17. You know what I mean? It's like, man, you know, I mean, you can listen to it to this day. Then you mentioned KRS-One, so I'm going to just throw Love's (laughs) Going to Get You is my favorite story from him. Come on. So, Jason. Hey, he took took two of the best, man. Um, So, you know, just my all-time favorite, uh, you know, again, um, Probably not when I fell in love with hip hop, but when I fell in love with the whole album, and that was a uh, pop, you know, uh, Two Apocalypse Now. Wow. Uh, it changed my life, man. I remember wow. when it came out, and just uh, I was listening to it on my head, my headset, the cassette, and I remember sitting down on a corner, and I just listened from the beginning of the of the tape to the end, and it was uh, I can't even explain the power and the energy. And the, of like his words, and you know just what he was talking about. Um, 
you know, he just he's one of my I'm one of my all time. He is my all time favorite. You know, so I just uh, Pac, that that's my guy. And two of his greatest stories are on there. Yeah. As great of a storyteller as he was, yeah. when we think of uh, shout out to Super MC, love <laughs> Super, another Highland Park legend. <laughs> but uh, he hit me to Soldier Story. Mm. So that's like unreal. Soldier Story. On Tupacalypse now, he's telling the story of from the perspective of an older brother that's incarcerated. That then, like Ooh. when people talk about like, man, hip hop is no artistry to it, but the <laughs> artistry is like an older brother that's incarcerated mm -hmm. that's talking to his younger brother mm -hmm. about like what he's dealing with and how he's dealing with it, mm -hmm. and then in the middle of it, it flips to the younger brother breaking into prison Come to on. get his older brother out of jail. Come on. And, you know, the one we, we, we relate to most is Brenda's Got a Baby. But right. Soldier's story is like the like talk about painting the picture. It's like yeah. you listen to it yeah. in a different voice and everything. Yeah. It's it's like, man, this is this is like yeah, the story is That's vivid. my favorite song on there. And there's so many dope ones. Like you said, uh um part time mother, uh uh violent, like listening to Soldier Story and Violent back to back, like just the power of like, look, man, like we ain't we ain't putting up with your stuff no more. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like if you come to us with the BS, like it's gonna be a problem. And like you said, just there, there's just so much power. Uh, every song, man, just around imagining myself not having to accept the status quo. And like you said, he was a brilliant man. Uh, he was a storyteller. Um, and, and I just man, that 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 that, that album. It changed my life. Yeah, my favorite, my favorite pop story is those are great, and he was a great storyteller. Uh -huh. uh, it definitely goes to like probably a lot of people's and Dear Mama, and I think that mm. as it's conceptualizing, mm. it almost, you know, I let people fly, but like people, I think can like, people like have recharacterized what that story is, but mm. the vulnerability and the. Um, it, the exposing of the insecurity just shows how poetic he was mm -hmm. throughout the song. Mm -hmm. Like this, to write a rap song like that, you know, as is like even as you know, when I was more active in writing it, hip hop, like starting a song like that, you know, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, man, those are some powerful words. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was young, me and my mm -hmm. mother had beef 17 years, all kicked out on the street. It's like to think of starting a song like that. It's like, mm -hmm. damn, dude, that's, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like if I'm the engineer, it's like, I would almost get chills to like, damn, he's saying this? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Same question to you. Uh whoa. And so, then and then represent for your uh represent for your uh for your crew and your set because like on. as a young dude, I know <laughs> sometimes yeah. like it's like it's like ain't nobody trying to hear Roddy Rich. But you know, if that yeah. is your you know what right. I'm saying? Right. It's it's that's the cool thing I think about hip hop, and that's why I really connect with this on your story. Because at one point in time, I think hip hop was a place that allowed for uh, for us to tell our story without the without so much of the corrosive concept of materialism and uh, agendas. You know, the agenda of artistry over uh, capitalism. Mm -hmm. So, who who would you uh, go to as a so? I'm gonna have to give it to my man's little TJ. Okay. He like, he's only like 18 as well, mm -hmm. but the things that he done been through, like life, like his mom kicked him out, like he done seen his friend get shot right in front of him, like and all of those things, and then coming up just from rapping in his basement to 
performing for people that's older than him or the same age and getting sold out shows mm -hmm. and then coming up from basically having not too much and now him having everything he want plus some, I feel like that's a really dope story that you can tell, like just being that age. And see, I'm, I'm unaware of his of his catalog. Like right. sometimes it takes the tragic events like Triple Extension. Uh, yeah. The, you know, for me to recognize like, OK, like w what was this in, in learning more about his storytelling catalog and everything? Mm -hmm. But I'm going to look for a little TJ. What's your favorite? What what should I be looking for when I look for the storytelling catalog? Of uh, for little TJ. I mean, like it's a, it's a lot of songs because like the main person that he talks about is his friend Smelly. That's that's the friend that that died, and almost in every song, like it's only like three of them that you won't hear him saying his name. Like I wish my man Smelly was here. I wish he was here with me. Like they done been through so much. I feel like FN. That's a really good song. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I, I'll check for that. <laughs> so with that, this was a great interview. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing where this project will go. I'm going to add in some more, and we'll be talking to more people a part of this project. As it expands, Detroit is different. It's definitely a home. Peace be to all you all. Peace, bro. We appreciate you, man. Yep. Black revolutionaries, distillery owners, Italian fashion retailers, and Motown Grammy winners all share their best stories never before told in any other media outlets on Detroit is Different. Visit DetroitIsDifferent.com or download the Detroit is Different app on Apple's App Store or Google's Play Store.